pursuing kruchis, their mitzis nostris, so they're nostris nostris. You know, may patri sifiliats for the Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede. We could begin our prayer using a phrase from a psalm, Psalm 37. How precious is your steadfast love, O Lord. When we come before the Blessed Sacrament, the very word, Eucharist, is always an invitation to thanksgiving because this is God's greatest gift. He can't do better than that because he can't do better than giving of himself. And as we come before the Holy Eucharist, now especially since it's a mystery of the Rosary, the institution of the Rosary, the institution of the Eucharist is a mystery of the Rosary, we give thanks to this second greatest gift, which is the Blessed Mother. And we have the Eucharist because of our Mother's yes, imitating Blessed Alvaro, being very much an engineer, you would easily predict how he would initiate his get-togethers. Without fail, he would invite everybody to give thanks to our Lord. Uh, on an occasion of a great feast, the Feast of the Work, Solemnity of Our Lady. Thank you, Lord. Even though my thanksgiving does fall short, thank you for giving us your mother. And Mary is, we're reminded of her, her perfection, but we need to curb the imagination. Being now in the 21st century, she wasn't what we would call an uber woman, multitasker writes books, is on programs on TV. Her perfection is what really counts. And it's hard, it's impossible to imagine. When we contemplate the great saints, they came very close to duplicating the heart of Jesus. There's no comparison with the heart of Mary being immaculately conceived and this mystery of faith, this assumption, is the sequel to her immaculate conception, the expected consequence that she would be brought to heaven, body and soul, assumed into heaven. Even though this sounds very trendy, and I don't mean it in a politically correct way, but this, in a sense, is a celebration of ourselves. How does that sound? Yes, she's glorified. And we wouldn't expect less. 
Yes, this assumption emphasizes, stresses this special relationship she has with the three persons of Blessed Trinity in a singular way. She's daughter of God the Father. Literally, mother of God the Son and spouse of God the Holy Spirit in concert with her, yes, she conceives the Son of God through the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. But I say it's a celebration of ourselves in the, this perfection that began with her Immaculate Conception is fully developed as she gazes at God face to face and occupies that special place in heaven for the simple reason to serve us as our mother. We always hear at that time it was bad news on excursion day. Our, our father had died. St. Jose Maria had died. A death is never absolutely bad news, but on an emotional level, it's quite painful. Psychologically, we thought he would never die. I was, believe it or not, I was younger than you when I got the news. Um, and then shortly thereafter, originating in Blessed Alvaro, that he's closer than ever, and he loves us more than ever, precisely because he is intimately un united with God. His union with God has culminated with the beatific vision. And this feast is a celebration of Mary's relationship with me and you. This empowers her with a greater power of intercession. And I want to focus the meditation, and we seems like a recurring theme, at least during this portion of the semester, optimism, counting on our Lord, who does the impossible, hope, hope that the apostate will go forward, that the work of the new evangelization goes forward, many references to our weaknesses, but the strength of God's grace. So why reinvent the wheel? Let's pray about Our Lady as hope. We want to piggyback on St. Josemaria's prayer. Mary has been taken up to heaven by God in body and soul. And the angels rejoice. Joy overtakes both angels and men. Why is it that we feel today this intimate delight with our heart brimming over with our soul full of peace? Because we are celebrating the glorification of our mother. And notice, it's a detail, but our father says glorification of our mother. He could have said of Mary. That would have been fine as well, our mother. 
It is only natural that we, her children, rejoice in a special way upon seeing how the most blessed Trinity honors her. It was on Calvary that Christ, her most beloved son, and our brother gave her to us as our mother when he said to St. John, Behold your mother. It's interesting to note that St. Josemaria would refer to the Passion within the context of the Assumption. Why is that? Why did our Lord wait for that moment as he hung on the cross? Because he wanted to stress, emphasize, at this darkest hour, which in reality was not the darkest hour, the redemption was on the verge of being completed, but at this dark hour, at this, humanly speaking, experience of failure, Virtually everyone was jeering him and mocking him and reminding him that he was a failure. And Jesus addresses the only apostle that showed up and basically said, that's your hope. Behold your mother. Lord, help us to take to heart this providential aspiration, Holy Mary, our hope, probably the, one of the most often used aspirations, we conclude our norms with that, help me take, take it to heart. I was, I was going on a, I was on a pilgrimage last May with a priest friend, well that priest friend has become a bishop friend. I knew him before he was important. Um, and uh, given the dignity of his office, he asked me where I wanted to go, and I said, no, I'll defer to you. It's your diocese. He says, well, I shouldn't have asked him. I should have just said, we're going here, because he wanted to go to a cemetery. I said, you sure? He said, yeah, I am. Uh, well, he had family there. So I met him and we walked around. In Chicago, at least the north side where I live, it's a very common phenomenon to have the letter W on your front door, on your car, on your front lawn, on banners, in your living room. It stands for winning the World Series. Uh, Chicago's claim to fame, or the Cubs' claim to fame, is that they had not won a World Series for 108 years. So you see the W in cemeteries. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of Cub fans six feet under. You know, 108 years is a long time. And when we went to the cemetery, to, there were a number of W's in that cemetery next to the gravesites. 
it had to be very an intervention for them to win that World Series. I mean, those of you who watched the game, you realize that this was not just a human phenomenon. Um, so he brings me to this statue of Our Lady, and I think there's also a crucifixion scene. After all, it is a cemetery. Um, and there's this big letter W near a gravestone, but it was close enough to the statue of Our Lady that it was obvious that the connotation was not just Cubs victory, that this W applied to this image of Our Lady, that Our Lady spells W. Our Lady's intervention is victory, Our Lady of victory, Mary our hope. And this assumption of the Blessed Mother is part of this victory. Lord, we make that celebrated prayer of the apostles our own. Lord, increase my faith. And as we ask for that faith, we can take the liberty to put words in our Lord's mouth, go to my mother. Have hope in my mother. Go through those steps. Try to foster, cultivate that reliance on her. You could say a prayer for us who are ordained today. And I remember, I didn't have the uh, privilege of being ordained by St. John Paul. I remember this uh, Cardinal, Cardinal Odie. He was the prefect of the Congregation for the Clergy, and he came to Turiya Sadad. We were 58 guys and uh, from Naples. It's an emotional part of Italy. They're not so poker-faced as Sicilians. And uh, he was having trouble getting through the Mass. He was getting very emotional. Uh, and he seems like he was almost hyperventilating in the sacristy. He was supposed to join us for dinner, but that couldn't happen. He, his handlers had to put him to bed. He was absolutely, he was emotionally exhausted. That's 58 guys, too, but I don't think that, was the, that wasn't the reason. But anyway, in the sacristy, and I remember it vividly, how can you not, uh, he greeted every one of us as 58 guys, Father Ed Maristan, he, one of them, and uh, he was saying in Italian, non dimenticare senza lei non si può fare niente. You know, don't forget it without her, you can't do anything. But it wasn't a cerebral piece of advice. It was someone sweating and lunging at each guy, <laughs> grabbing him and shaking him. Um, saying that, and everybody politely saying, yes, see, 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 see. And maybe we all could take that to heart, you know, perhaps without the drama. Without her, I can't do anything. Use this, this gift of our mother. 
And, and part of this, hell, this perfection of motherhood, I mean, you've seen it, I've seen it. Well, you know, if I'm honest with myself and sincere, I have a whole litany of imperfections and sins and weaknesses and lack of rectitude and self-centeredness, high concentration of all the capital sins. Some people, you know, this problem with this certain capital sin, I got, you know, they're all alive and well in me. Uh, our lady loves, a mother loves a son or a daughter who needs more help. And a mother is glorified when we go to her for help. So that is part of the reason we have her is, I know to be ecumenical, you say, well, she creature, she doesn't take the place of God, she's an intercessor. Okay, yeah, she's an but it's more than that. She's someone who is going to rally behind me because she's not just my friend, she's not a great saint, which is a tall order in itself. She's my mother who loves me unconditionally and is glorified by my recourse to her. We see her, in this first reading, Mary never appears in, the, in Scripture as a wilting lily. We see Mary eminently apostolic. And the very first prophecy of the Bible tells us she's my hope. Our first parents are in big trouble. All sorts of nasty predictions are made. Sin is brought into the world. It's a real low point. Humanity was off to a bad start. And then God says, but this mysterious woman is your hope. She's going to be part of this victory over evil. And, the God, and, the, and Scripture ends with the same kind of prophecy, which we will read today. And we see her, here goes, as someone leading in this war of love and peace, and it's a struggle. It's an invitation to optimism, but not a passive optimism. An optimism that counts on the grace of God, and part of this optimism if is if I engage in this war of love and peace and give my five loaves and two fish, or if I try to fill the containers to the brim, or if I go back in the lake against my natural inclination and even personal experience and human judgment, I go back into the lake and lower my net after toiling and catching nothing, or at least ostensibly seeming that I caught nothing, that spells victory. And a great portent appeared in heaven, and a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child, and she cried out in her pangs of birth in anguish for delivery. The church it's not dogma, but the church interprets this. I mean, this refers to the 
her own son, but it refers to the church. It refers to the struggle to evangelize. And we see her as part of this work of evangelization, and she's depicted as glorified. Has special meaning because we had nice full moons as we prayed the rosary at our ungodly hour. <laughs> and another portent appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems upon his head. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child that he might devour her child. When she brought it forth, when she brought it forth, she brought forth a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, which we'll recite today. There are a lot of isms out there, and they're real obstacles. They're not fake. You know that. I know that. All these isms, ignorance, indifference, relativism, materialism. <laughs> I need a class in spelling, don't I? <laughs> Those isms are, and, and the other words as well, <laughs> are symbolized in this work of the evil one. I want to make a resolution, Lord. And what is that resolution? Well, to imitate St. Jose Maria and Blessed Alvaro and all the great saints, St. John Paul. I mean, they've got that common thread. Great evangelizers, great modern evangelizers who faced formidable obstacles. And providentially, when I was in Rome, Blessed Alvaro was especially clamoring to the Blessed Mother. It was three Marian years. I was in Rome during three Marian years. And he had a number of obvious intentions. The first one was the prelature. The other one was um, the beatification of our father. Another intention under papal pressure to start the work in those communist countries, that time were communist countries. And so he was coming up with a password, and struggling to say his password, and in engineer fashion he would have a, mentioned in a get-together, I mean someone else mentioned it, he would have a prayer card on a stack of papers, and so when he'd get to the next paper, he'd have to move the prayer card, and that would trigger an aspiration. But then he complained that he got used to the prayer card. It was the same prayer card. And so he said, well, I'll, I'll vary the prayer cards. So he varies the prayer cards, and he's kind of, he's happy, because now I'm, now I'm kind of on target. I'm, I'm actually saying these aspirations. And you could find him in a church doing a pilgrimage once a week, twice a week, and then I read in his biography by Javier Medina that there was a point he was making pilgrimage every day. That's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is that we be more Marian and count on Our Lady as our hope. Well, we let's pray to St. Jose Maria, who 
kind of stressed that he was not a model in anything, except with one exception, his love for Mary. Saint Jose Maria, pray for us so that we learn to love the Blessed Mother as you loved her and as Blessed Alvaro loved her. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.